Oh, come on. Good morning, everybody. Eight years. One more time. Let's praise God for that. That's amazing. Wow. And the only reason I said no when Pastor Jason came is because you now know the, just the authenticity, the blessing of this family. And we had been on a run together in Memphis that was, it, it's still historic. It, it set trends what God did through you guys there. Uh, there's such, still, just God continues to bring harvest off of all the seed planted in those seasons. And so, obviously, the initial thought is, man, I'm loving this journey. But there was no doubt that God had put in their heart the next step. And what I want to talk to you about today is when, what you do when God has a next because this is something that each of us are experiencing in our own journey, so I want you to hear it just for you. You're here today to celebrate as a church family, and I want you to hear it on that level. A message for you as an incredible faith family. I, I say this to you when I come. I'll say it again. I'll say it every time I'm here. Never think for one second that what is happening here is happening everywhere. This is an unusually blessed, amazing miracle. I don't know. I think there are people that love Jesus just as much as you do. Uh, but there is something happening here that is very unique. And I think if we're good stewards, we're careful with it, we cherish what the Lord is doing, there's always going to be a next. There's always going to be a next. You're right on the edge of your next. Jason said, there's a next. This was back when we were in Memphis, and he and Raina felt it. Knew God had put it in their heart. Chelsea and Dylan at that time, they said yes to the unknown and have been a part of this journey. They've always done it as a family, and I'm incredibly proud of every one of you. And now to have Chris as part of the family, awesome. Just a God thing. If for no other reason than you moved here, that would be reason enough. And I believe that. So I've seen them do this. So, so now there's a next. And when you have a next, it's unique in how you respond to it. So let's wrap our mind around some passages out of the book of Joshua. That is, that is a book of transition. So I want to show you a verse. It's in the first chapter. Let's just go to the screen together. Here's the way the book starts. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Now let me stop there. The context is God is saying, Joshua, it is time for the next step. It is time for the next season. So you're going to have to lead the people and go and possess the next. Go and possess the future. What do you do to really embrace the next step, the next that God has for you and he has for you as a church? Here it is. Honor the past, but don't stay there. Many of you found Jesus in the season of ministry uh, over the last four years. Some of you date all the way back to the house. In those first months... Jason and I would talk, and your pastor would say, well, right now, the only person I know is the mailman. 
I mean, that, that was it. I remember when he said, you know, our family has decided this Sunday, it's just us right now, but this Sunday we're having church. And so they gathered there in the living room, and, and uh, Pastor Jason led worship, and uh, it, was, it was, yeah, it had some help. So they started. It was the next. And then as you saw in the picture, a few more people started coming to the house until I remember him saying, we now move the furniture around or out, set up chairs. I remember one time seeing like a bed sheet on the wall where they could put up the lyrics of songs uh, because God always has a next. And then I remember him saying, we are going to the double tree. Now, if you've only been here for four years, then just know that that meant setting up everything. And from the double tree to the Hilton. And I remember those times where the hotel had the rights to say, hey, sorry, but this Sunday, the ballroom's going to be occupied. So you've got to find a place to have church. And when you're trying to grow, you, you need consistency. And to have that hanging over you, it takes a lot of faith. And so from the Hilton to Hoover. And I remember speaking at Hoover, and I got there because I wanted to watch everything. Every extension cord, every chair, every table. We're, we're enjoying PowerPoint. We're enjoying technology today. Uh, none of this will be taken down. It can stay here. There, there, everything after church had to be rolled back up, packed away. Nurseries in a hallway. Just took a hall, put a gate over the hall, and, and made a nursery out of it. Uh, and from Hoover, there was a next step, and it was here. And look what God has done over the last four years. So now there's a next. And in order to go for it, let's honor where we've been. But let's not stay here. Many of you maybe have been married in this season, or you found the Lord, or you were baptized in water. I, I've seen many people baptized in water in this building. If that's you, would you just raise your hand and say, that, you're talking to me right back here. That's what I'm talking about. So there's, there's something special about here. And the reason I want to emphasize this is because we can make a hero of the past. And if we make a hero of the past, we will become a preference-driven church rather than a purpose-driven church. And when we're a preference-driven church, what we're saying is we want the presence of God, but we want it packaged the way it's always been packaged. And so even though we need more space and we need to make provision for growth, and we now have a miracle of land and the potential of a building, we'll have to work to make sure in our heart that we are honoring that God gave us the house, and he gave us the Doubletree, and he gave us the Hilton, and he gave us Hoover, and he gave us this location. We honor that. For never a moment will we dishonor that. But in order to go to the next season that God has, we can't stay where we are. Now think about that in your life. Because see, our tendency is 
I want the work of God, but I like the way it's happening now. So this is what I want you to grab today in this one point. The worship was about God's glory, was about God's presence. As I have worked now as a pastor for 25 years, I've led through church buildings and changing. Man, we're going through a change in our church right now, and it is one of the most interesting transitions that I I have ever led. And here's what I would say. You have been led from day one to have a heart for Jesus, to have a heart for the presence and the power of God. That's what you want. But sometimes we think it has to be packaged the way it's always been packaged. Always remember this. What you want is the glory, the presence, the grace. And it's okay as long as we have his presence If it's at another location, if the songs may sound a little differently, if we have a different environment, a different context. Moses, the Lord's servant, was dead. Do you know how they never, they've never found him? No one knows where the man's buried. And this is what I believe. If they had found him, They never would have moved. It had been too strong. He had been endeared to them. They had experienced the Red Sea. They had experienced so much together that they would have made a shrine and they would have put his bones in that shrine and they would have said, we want the presence of God. He he taught us that you don't need to take a step without the presence of God. But we are want the presence of God here. Now, we know he's calling us to go there, but we want his presence here. If you're going to go to the next, you honor where you've been, but you don't stay there. Number two, I want to talk about perseverance for a moment. These are passages from this this book of journey. On the second day, they marched around the city. That's Jericho. And then they returned to the camp, and they followed this pattern for six days. You know the story of the wall of Jericho once they go through the Jordan. That's the first uh, challenge after that. It's a fortified city, this walled city, and so they have this unconventional plan of marching around the wall. They're going to march around it once a day for six days, and on the seventh day, they're going to march around seven times, and at the seventh time, they're going to shout, and when they give out the shout, uh, the promise is the wall's coming down, and they're going to go in and possess the city. There's no way for them to experience their next unless they can take Jericho. It, it, you talk about the gate, as Dr. Roden said. That was a gate to the future. Without possessing Jericho, you don't go any farther. And so here they are marching around. And can you imagine going around once a day for six days thinking that somehow that's really going to work? And, you, you know, really put yourself there. I'm... You know, I I have a position of leadership. I'm telling you, I'd have struggled with that one. I don't care how much faith you have. I don't care how much you believe. You know, I don't care that the Red Sea parted. I don't it doesn't. I don't care that we just came through the Jordan walls that are fortified, behind which our enemy forces are not defeated just because you walk around it. It it doesn't happen. And so on the seventh day, you're marching around on the you know. 
you know, God still could have done it at one or two or three or the fourth time around or the fifth time around, the sixth time around. They march that seventh time, and perseverance says, don't stop on six. You will have more times to, to give up than you have to go on. That's the way life is. All of you live long enough, you've had opportunities to say, that's it. I, I'm, I'm cashing it in right here. I'm sick of this. I'm tired of this. James has one of the most amazing uh, perspectives. He says, let perseverance finish its work. It's a choice, isn't it? It's a choice to not stop where you are. It's a choice to go to the next level. Because it's going to require of all of us more. We have to do more. We're going to have to give more of who we are. And so we could just stay right here. But we have to let perseverance. I'm glad in the house you let perseverance finish its work. And at the Doubletree, you know, you let perseverance finish its work. And at the Hilton, you didn't stop. And then at Hoover, you didn't stop. And now you're here. And you could say, come on, three services, and they're packed out. That's enough. That is enough. But you're going to let perseverance finish its work. Because God is not finished. In the Psalms, it says he's making of you an oak of righteousness. Now, an oak tree, just imagine that. It's huge, but it starts out as that little seed, is that little acorn. Everything that you see today started out as a thought. It was that small. Just a leading, an idea. A what if? A can you imagine? I wonder if we, what God might do. It's the same in your life. All of us are made for purpose, a destiny. And it starts where you are with just this leading of the Holy Spirit. And if you will let perseverance finish its work, it becomes this Oak of righteousness, seed, time, harvest. Eight years. And really, you're just beginning. Our church is four years away from its 100-year anniversary. And I think back to those who came into this very small, at that time, a rural community, you know, and they said, God wants us to put a church here. And now all of these years later, here's this amazing church, an amazing congregation, having influence, and it all goes back to a thought, and then over these 96 years, there have been leaders who have let perseverance finish its work. Let perseverance finish its work. Here's what God said to Joshua. He said, look, the wall is fortified. The city's shut up. No one's going in. No one's going out. Right before he told them the condition, as if they didn't know it, he said, I've given you the city. Where perseverance has to be allowed to finish its work is when what God has said to you is different than what you see. 
I know what he said. God said, plant a church. But when you only know the mailman, and that's because he has to come to your house every day. It's not he, that he wants to know you. He's, he has to do that. He's obligated. Thank God he's obligated or he would have said, I don't know anybody. So, yet you have this, I promise you, this was the dream. Just like Bubba Watson when he won his first Masters and he, and he was asked, you know, did you ever imagine putting on this, this green jacket? He said, my dreams never went this far. And that's the deal with all of us. It's like, because we're Christians, and we now are subject to the power that can do exceedingly, abundantly, above any and everything that we could think, much less ask. So our, we do dream, but our dreams can't possibly go that far. And as you stated, you never dreamed. The dream couldn't go this far. But you let perseverance continue its work. Hey, I'm thinking about eight years from now and where you might be. And it's going to be amazing when you think if you've done this in the first eight years. There's just more seed for God to work with. There are more stories for God to use. There's more resource of talent, time, you name it. There's more to work with. So if we'll honor where we are, but not stay here, then we're letting perseverance continue its work so that we are complete, we are entire, lacking nothing. Wow. So when you... Embrace your next. You honor. You don't make a hero of the past. You honor the past. When you pass a church that's 96 years old, there are some, they, they want it the way it's always been done. I get that. I understand that. You can't, we, we can't do it that way. I promise you, somebody's gonna, you're going to be a brand new building. You're going to have more bathroom space. You're going to have, and, and I don't even, I'm not even talking about your bathroom. I'm just saying in all churches, you need more facilities than you have. You, you're going to have more storage. Uh, you, you're going to have all of these things that, and somebody, it, it's going to be so much better. And I promise you, somebody's going to say, you know, I wish, you know, it just doesn't seem like God moves like you move when we're at your house. I get that. There will be no criticism coming from me, somebody like that. I get that. That's why we'll honor the house. We'll honor that season. We'll honor the people that were putting up those cribs for nurseries and then taking them back down. We'll honor people that ran extension cords and plugged in the technology and set up the instruments Set up the chairs. We'll honor that. But we'll say they did that so that we keep going. So number three is faith. We'll talk about Caleb for a moment. Caleb said, I'm as strong now 
as I was when Moses sent me on that journey. And I can still travel. I can still fight. I can travel and fight right now. As good as I could then. Hashtag I'm good. (laughs) Hashtag I'm not as good as I once was, but I'm as good once as I ever was. Uh, He's 85. And he says, I'm as strong now. Really? 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 Yeah. So 85 is the new 45. That's what he's saying right there. That's the message paraphrase. How, how does he say that? Because he's been in the wilderness. He's woken up every day with this promise where what he saw didn't match what God had said. It would have been easy for him to say, I'm sorry, Josh, and I'm, man, bitterness has set in. I, I, I woke up so frustrated and, and uncertain. I'm tired. Some things have weighed in, and I just, I'm not, I'm not, I can't do this. What keeps you with a Caleb spirit is because you have been upheld by that word that God spoke to you, and and you have learned faith. Here is, to me, a verse that's meaning more and more by the day. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence, like it's that real, It's the evidence of things unseen. So I can live now as though it's then. I don't have to see it to believe it. I know. Because God has spoken. It's going to happen. Maybe you need to hear that for your marriage. Maybe you need to hear that for your family. Maybe you need to hear that for your job. Hear that for your church. God has spoken. Faith doesn't have to see it to believe it. Sow this into your church culture. Here's what Caleb teaches us. Age is not nearly as important as attitude. Attitude. You know what, why Dr. Roden is such this awesome influencer? Is it because he's old enough to know more than all of us? No, it's because after all these years, he still has an attitude that God's great, God is good, God is able, God can do it, God can make it happen. He's got a Caleb spirit. And when you have an attitude that says, as we look at the facts, I don't know what your new building, uh, all, I'm telling you, there's going to be some of this project that's going to be beyond you. It has to be. We've got a project going on where we are right now, and it's beyond us. We're, 
we're blessed, but it's we don't have enough blessing right now to do what I know God's calling us to do. And so at some point, faith has to say, we're going to do this, and hear me, we don't have the facts to support it. There are no facts to support that if we walk around this wall, it's going to come down when we scream at it. There are no facts to support that. There are no facts. There are no facts. I know we had the Red Sea, but Moses is dead. Nobody. And Joshua, I mean, he's not proven yet he was there, and he's telling us to step in. All we know about the Red Sea is that it started rolling back before anybody stepped, and he's telling us that we're going to have to step in the water at flood stage And there aren't any facts to support that if you step in a river at flood stage that you're going to make it across. The facts actually state this is impossible. And there must be a church that will honor the past but not stay there. There must be a church that will let perseverance finish its work There must be a church that will say, when facts don't support what God has said, we will express faith because it is the substance of what we know God has put in us to hope for and it is the evidence of what we do not see. Hashtag crazy. (laughs) And you have to be willing... For people to look at you and say, I don't know how you're going to do this. And say, I understand that. Because the facts don't support it. But when the only person you know is the mailman, nobody would believe this. Nobody. Church planting right now, we've developed organizations where when a person goes to plant a church, they tell them up front, you need at least $1 million. If you're going to start this and start it with any hope of success, in other words, you need to be in a position of strength so that you can start strong. Because otherwise, there's no data. There's nothing we can tell you that would brace you for the belief that you can overcome. And I can just tell you that the word of God to your heart is more powerful than any material resource. It is. Go ahead and praise Him because that is the truth. So I close with this. Here's your story. You want to know the eight-year story? Here's the story. Jason and Raina and their family felt a next in their journey. And so they honored where they were because it was amazing. But they didn't stay there. And they could have. Could have been there to this day. But they didn't stay there. 
They didn't make a hero out of success because when you've been successful, you think, why mess with it? Oh, I can, I can leave where I am when it's not going well. I remember when I felt the leading go to Oklahoma, I said to one of my mentors, things are going so well here. I've worked for 10 years for it to be like it is. And, and that mentor said to me, if God can't move you when things are going well, you have no right to ask him to move you when they're not. Well, that, man, uh, that's called when your mentor becomes a tormentor. And if you don't allow your mentor to be a tormentor, you don't have a mentor. And so I, I, I processed that because it would be easy for them to stay there. But they went for it. And then they persevered, all the while expressing faith. And then a church has developed, and what I'm telling you is your culture. What I've said to you is not something you need to do, it's, it's who you are. It's who you are. And that's why you're thriving, is because in the foundation, not the concrete, and not the new foundation that will be poured, But the foundation, your DNA as a church, is so right. Now, you can mess it up. And the way you mess it up is when you try to make a hero of the past. Churches are dying right now because they are becoming preference-driven rather than purpose-driven. And they want it a certain way. And I am convinced if we could reason together what we want is the presence of God but we think we can only experience that if it's packaged in a certain way and that is not true the presence of God has been in each phase of your journey and it's going to go with you so here's my perspective that one day perseverance will finish its work and we'll all be in heaven but I think that Pastor Jason and Raina can go to Jesus and say, we'd like to reserve a room. This Saturday night, we're going to have a banquet. Uh, and all of you are invited. And Jesus is going to speak. And if right now we were in heaven, I think Jesus would say to you as a church family, way to go. Because you had more opportunities to quit than to go on. Way to go. Thanks for sticking with it. Thanks for setting up those chairs. Thanks for showing up early. Thanks for stretching, innovating, working. Thanks. Way to go, church. When another church wanted to sue you because of your name. Hashtag stupidpastors.com. Way to go, church. For trusting my word when the facts didn't support it. Well done. When Moses came across the Red Sea, 
Then later, he sends Joshua and spies to get a check on the future, the next. They're housed by Rahab, a prostitute. And Rahab says to Joshua, I've heard this story about the Red Sea, but I don't have the details. Can you tell me that story? And Joshua says, yes, I was there, and here's the way it went down. And when she heard about the God who parted the Red Sea, she surrendered to God. And when you fast track to the genealogy of Jesus in the first chapter of Matthew, Rahab is in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. So the Red Sea miracle... When you come through the Red Sea, they had an amazing celebration, and you could say, oh, we're done. Man, we're not building anything else. We, we're good right here. This is amazing. Look at the enemy. Woo! And they could have stopped. But see, that miracle contained the seed of another miracle. And her name was Rahab which contained a seed called Jesus Christ. The house contained a seed for the Doubletree, for the Hilton, for Hoover, for now here for four years. And in this miracle today is your seed for the miracle in the future that you might be an oak of righteousness. Well done. Well done. Happy eight-year anniversary today. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We are so overwhelmed by your goodness, your love, your grace, your mercy. God, and, and today we... We boast in you. We've thought about what you've done, what you're going to do, and we're so humbled. We're so humbled by your, your goodness. So good that you would send your only Son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. Think about all the people who have been saved through the ministries of this church over the past eight years and Lord, one day we will get to be in that room and we will get to celebrate with you. Before we dismiss, I've got to ask you a question if you're here today. Maybe, maybe you're visiting. Maybe this was all new to you. You didn't know we were celebrating our eight-year anniversary. But, but the seed that Ron was talking about was that seed that eventually led to Jesus Christ being born of a virgin living a sinless life, taking our death and sin to the cross, being crucified, dying. They placed Him in a grave. He rose from that grave on the third day. And the Bible says He's in heaven today making intercession for us. He's praying for us. He's our advocate. Maybe you're here today and you can't put your finger on a time where you, you actually believed that. You actually put your faith in Jesus. Because the Bible says, for God so loved the world 
that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him. Let's not overcomplicate salvation. There is a journey after salvation. Let's not overcomplicate that. Whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. And, and so i got to ask you today before we're dismissed, I'd be a terrible pastor if I didn't, have you believed in Jesus? Have you put your faith in the fact that Jesus Christ is the Messiah, the one true Son of God? That one who was born of a virgin who lived a sinless life. That one who did take our sin. The Bible says God made Him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. Pastor Ron was talking about that oak of righteousness. If you, if you look that word up, righteousness, in that scripture, it means beautiful. So He made Him who knew no sin to become sin for us so that we could become beautiful in God's sight. Maybe you don't feel beautiful today. Maybe you're hurt. You know what? Let's just be transparent. Maybe, maybe you feel dirty. Maybe you feel hopeless. Maybe you feel out there. Maybe you feel rejected. Maybe you feel like, you know what? I'm, I'm done. I'm, and, and I'm going to cash it in, as was said earlier. Can I tell you right now? There's a chance for a fresh start right now. There's a chance for you to be forgiven right now. There's a chance for you to know that you know that you know that you know that you'll spend eternity with God in heaven for the rest of your life, for for eternity. So if that's you here today, you say, Jason, I'm ready to put my faith and my belief in the fact that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. I need to be saved. I need forgiveness. If that's you, just slip your hand up long enough for me to see it and then right back down. I just want to pray with you. All over this place, I need to know Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I need to make that decision today. Anyone here? I need to know. Just lift it up long enough for me to see it. I need to know Jesus. Father, we celebrate what you have done and what you're going to do. Again, we just bask in your grace and your love and your mercy. And I ask that you would go with with this church family as we go back out into our everyday life. Lord, and individually, we would recognize areas where we parked. And next used to be an option, but next has become just something that we don't think about anymore. So challenge us, Father, to go to the next level with our walk with You, to reading our Bible, to praying, to witnessing, to being that light in a dark world. Challenge us, Father. And challenge us as a church to to be that light in this community. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.